Hello, and welcome to Dice Try, the RPG and storytelling podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Schaub. I, I think he just doesn't like us, Dan. Yeah, that makes sense. I think sense. he, needs, he needs your daddy voice. <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. My daddy voice. What's that sound like? Don't, don't, don't describe my voice as a daddy voice. It makes me feel weird. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Dice Dry. I am your host, Angie Daniel Schaub. I am here with all of my players, Crystal Owen. Hello. Earl Kim. Hello. And of course, Paul Allen Dixon. Hello. <laughs> and we have along with us our audio engineer, GTM, which of course stands for Giraffe Treading Molasses. Wasn't that the exact same thing you said last no. time? I don't no. think he's ever said giraffe treading molasses. No. There was something to do with molasses. No. Because I'm picturing no. just like a, a large pool, like a tar pit, but instead of tar, it's molasses and some poor giraffe gets stuck in exactly. it. Exactly. I mean, I'm sure the giraffe is fine. Like, they love sugar. So, normally I would ask you questions and all that, but our recap slash intro is kind of long and there's an, a lot of information to impart. So, I'll jump right into that. In our previous episode, the heroes rescued Bart Hughes from the mystical machine that he had been tied to and tortured by. As they left the cavern, the machine began to rumble and the cavern collapsed, creating a sinkhole in the center of New Nazareth. A majority of the population went into a panic and went up to Martell Mansion. The team brought Hughes to the hotel and questioned him. Hughes revealed a number of things, including that the machine is a way to industrialize magic and that a young man plans to use the machine to sell magic to industrialists. Hughes also mentioned that Washington Martell had died once before and came back to life. Following that, the heroes went to Martell Manor to see what was going on, but found tensions very high. A scream echoed from town, panic spread, and several people ended up being shot. The heroes headed back in the direction of New Nazareth, and as they did, Brett Martell was killed and thrown from a top window of the manor. Upon returning to New Nazareth, they discovered that zombies were attacking the town. The team had to make a hasty retreat as New Nazareth burned behind them. Here's what we know so far. Someone is attempting to industrialize magic, but the magic to do so must be powered by mystical energy released during agony. To create this energy, the person responsible has been controlling the Knight Riders and sending them out to attack poor sharecrafters. The machine, once powered up, can do many things for either bad or good, such as causing a mind collapse several states over or preventing a tornado in the Midwest. This machine, like most industrial machines, releases toxic waste that affects the surrounding environment. Based on the evidence that the characters have, this machine has been sealing toxic waste for an extended period of time, and there is a link between the waste and the hours shortly after sundown. According to Hughes, the person running this experiment is not Southern, and based on the voice is a young man. This person would also have to be able to exert a certain amount of control over the Knight Riders. 
We also know that the members of the Knight Riders were carrying notes in their pockets that had been block printed and written German. This person wants to sell the technology to other industrialists, even though it would have catastrophic events on the environment. And that is what we know. Did you guys have any questions or follow up on that? Right now we are on the carriage. Yes, you're on uh, Maeve's carriage moving away from New Nazareth. What direction are we leaving? Like, what's the direction we're moving in? Uh, I would assume the easiest way would just be head south, because that would be the quickest way out of town based on the map. Okay. Okay. And south would be going... Uh, you would you would be heading further south into like the swamps of Kentucky right now, but you've only probably gone a mile or so. Who do we have with us? Just in the you, you have Elizabeth Danton and Bart Hughes with you. Great, and then then it's me and Maeve and the sheriff. And the sheriff, of course, it's like running behind the. Car. No, I, yep. I actually pictured him like on the hanging off of the back of the carriage, just like as a, an eye to like. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to leave behind Los Angeles and go into Western Kentucky or Western Kentucky. Once again, you are heading further south towards the swamps. It is just past nightfall. You can still hear the howling noises of these clay zombies that you encountered earlier behind you, but they seem to have given up the chase. Once you get far enough ahead of them, they just cannot travel the distance that you can in the amount of time. You're now traveling. The night has set. It immediately gets very dark as there are very few lamps or lights lit around you. And there is also a heavy, persistent fog. The temperature has switched quite a bit. It went from cold to warm really quick, and now it's going back to cold. So the fog has settled in and hasn't turned into rain, but you can feel that foggy water kind of sprinkling you and making you uncomfortable uh i i guess my my question is do do we we just left because we were trying to get out of there like as quick as possible i was just gonna say does the sheriff know where we're going (laughs) i mean the sheriff knows the area so he probably knows of nearby farms where you could seek refuge the nearest town that you can get to would still be about a day's ride away or there is a train station nearby that you could go to and catch a train in the morning. That's what you wanted to do? No, I feel like we need to get somewhere safe to like reevaluate and sort of make a game plan. Because the evil is still there in, in New Nazareth. We just happen to have gotten out. Um, but I do feel like we can't just leave. Sheriff, do you know of any... Uh, are you, where's your sheriff's house? Where does the sheriff? Where, My sheriff house. Where does the sheriffing happen? Where do you lawmen congregate? Dan, where do I go? <laughs> the uh, sheriff's office that you work out of uh, is about a day's ride away. Motherfuck. <laughs> That's about a day's ride away to get to where we need to be. Oh. But you do know several of the well, people who live around here, so you could potentially ask, like one of the local farmers if you could crash at their abode or in their barn or whatever i suggest we crash with one of the people nearby all right sheriff the the person you were asking 
must be, is it a person that you trust? Do I trust anybody in this town? Um, so actually, that's actually a very good question. So you don't trust most people in New Nazareth because they don't act within the confines of the law, right? Okay. And they support the Night Riders who attack people and burn crops and stuff like that. But there are several sharecroppers who live in this area who don't work for the plantation. They just have their own farms where they grow tobacco. And they are not associated with that plantation, so they are more trustworthy. Okay. Uh, Is there a specific person or do I just go to that group? Sure. You know of a farm uh, run by a fellow named Liam Smith. So we're going to have to go to a friend of mine, Liam Smith. I think he's the only one we can trust in this town. Let's go there then. Very well. <laughs> so following the sheriff's directions, you follow the road and you go several miles from the plantation. So by the time you reach Liam Smith's farm, it is around midnight. And the farm that you come upon is very small. It's probably just a, a few acres where he would grow tobacco and whatnot. The fields, as you arrive and see them, are blackened. Not like they were harvested, but actually the fields were burnt and the ash is still in the soil. The cabin in which Liam Smith lives in is probably just a one-room cabin, very small, and he has a small barn off to the side. Light is in the window, but Liam Smith himself does not step out and approach you. Is it season to be to be burning crops and turning over the soil? Uh, no. You would actually do that in very early spring. All right. It seems as though we have company and Sheriff, I believe your friend may be in danger, if not already incapacitated. Yeah, you might be right. I get out, grab my grab my knife, a knife and start uh, sneaking towards the barn. I'm going to have my gun out ready. Maeve is motioning that she's just going to go up and knock on the door. So as he steps through the door, you see that this shotgun is in a state of disrepair. It's quite uh, rusty. And the stock of the shotgun has a crack down the middle of it, as if somebody tried to smash it at one point. But as he steps out, he actually sees you standing off to the side, Sheriff. He lowers the shotgun. He says, God damn it, why are you trying to scare me? Wasn't trying to scare you. What's going on here? Oh. My farm was attacked a little while back and burned my fields, smashed up some of my equipment. And he uh, holds up one of his hands and you can see that uh, some of the bones are actually bent out of place. Like oh. his hand was broken and it hasn't quite healed correctly. Like his pinky fingers off at a slight angle and he like tries to fully close his hand and his pinky won't close. I believe Maeve might be able to look at that and... Uh at least set it properly. Hello, uh, my name's Charles. I'm uh, an associate of the sheriff's. Uh, my other associate, Maeve, she may be able to help you with your hand. If you want to hand me that gun, I can probably fix it for you. He doesn't hand you the gun, but he puts it down by the door frame. So what are you doing here? I just look at the sheriff. <laughs> Take it away, sheriff. We need somewhere to stay for the night. You're the only person I can trust in this damn town. Well, uh, I don't have a whole lot of room, but suppose I could put some of you up. Arn would would be fine if you could spare that. And he steps back and he motions 
in through the open door if you would like to enter. Are you going to leave uh, Elizabeth Danton and Bart Hughes there for now? My understanding is that we would put them in the house if they were able to, and then we would right. go to the barn or something. You help uh, Bart Hughes down. Uh, Elizabeth Danton also helps you carry Bart Hughes in through the door. And as you take him inside, it is a very small cabin. There is a tiny bed shoved up against the wall. There's a small table with some chairs. Uh, Liam Smith does not live a very highfalutin lifestyle, might be the best way to put it. You're kind of seeing him at his best, maybe. And Sheriff, as you step through and pick up the shotgun and look at it, you see that this shotgun is inoperable. It would not work if he had tried to shoot you. Liam does uh, stop you and he says, oh, I understand that there are evil men at work. And he like holds up his hand that hasn't healed quite right and kind of motions to the state that he lives in. Yeah. Do you want me to take a look at that? (laughs) He takes a look at you with all your sachets and potion bottles. And he's like, "Uh, who are you? Are you a doctor? I wouldn't say I'm a doctor per se a healer what kind of healer like a faith healer like are we gonna pray to jesus right now and you're gonna heal my hand no i was going to maybe pop your bones back into place and put some sort of salve on it but whatever you want to do is it gonna be painful oh yes but it will feel much better after. (laughs) maybe get a few drinks in me and i'll change my mind but as of right now no thank you ma'am we'll get those drinks in you uh sheriff can i have a word with you Outside? Of course. So you and Liam step out onto the porch and he like closes the door. What are you doing? What is going on? Look, I wouldn't believe the things I was hearing from that guy's mouth less than a week ago. But I've seen things in this town that are pure evil. Have you seen anything like that? I mean, the Night Riders came here and beat the hell out of me, burned my crops. Is that the kind of evil you're talking about? Partially. Look, just, I need you to trust me right now. Can you do that? I trust you, Sheriff. It's just, what do you, I, I don't understand. What are you doing? Are you here to arrest someone or? Might be past the point of arresting. This is a problem with the occult and evil forces. And I know it's unbelievable, but if we don't do something to stop it, more people are going to get hurt. Do you need anything from me? Just your hospitality, my friend. And maybe a beer if you got one. Okay. Okay. And he uh, opens up the door, leads you back inside, and up on a shelf, he pulls down a big clay jug full of moonshine and pours some drinks for yourself and thank you, your associates. There we go. Thank you, Sheriff. You've helped me out plenty, so I suppose I owe you the uh, courtesy of hearing you out. Maybe listen to my friend a little more. You can understand where we're coming from. It appears as though your town settlement area has been deeply affected by some evil presences. And do you know who is behind all this? I mean, it points towards the Martells. Now I'm beginning to question the establishment of this area at all and to begin with. And now you see, the, the evil here is very deep. I mean... I don't fully understand, but I'm not sure why the Martells would. Because, I mean, they basically own this land. They own most of the local judges and, no offense, sheriffs, lawyers. So why would they put themselves in danger by doing 
the kind of evil you're talking about. Oh, no, I believe the reason why they have that kind of reach is because of the evil they've been doing. Okay. I mean, doesn't it doesn't it seem strange that, that there is just some family that seems to just control everything in this area? I mean, I, and I'm sure I, I know that they've brought opportunity, but I guess the question is for whom and, and why? I mean, welcome to America, friend. This is the way it works. It's large controlling families that control all sorts of things. Mm. I mean, God damn it, the American Tobacco Company owns 85% of all tobacco that's produced in this goddamn country. Mm. And now, that's another interesting thing, tobacco. How, how long have you been growing it here? I used to work not at New Nazareth, but at a different plantation. I saved up enough money to uh, buy my own land a few years ago. And the, the crops, the tobacco, has it, it's changed over the years. The size of it, the, the, the breadth of it, the, the yield of it, has that been altering at all? Not necessarily. I mean, I'm making more money now because New Nazareth isn't to sell to uh, the American Tobacco Company, so I have to grow more tobacco to make up for that, which of course puts a target on my back from the Martells. When my farm was attacked um, just about a month ago, they uh, burned the field, they beat the hell out of me, and they destroyed my, like my plow and some other things. They shot my horse. And you knew these men? Only by reputation. They're called the Night Riders. I didn't recognize most of their voices, but one of them spoke in a very highfalutin way, as if he was well-educated, unlike most of his associates. He sounds Southern to you? Yes, he did. Do you know of anyone maybe who's... Or heard of anyone maybe who's associated with the Martells who maybe isn't from around here? Maybe foreign? Not necessarily. Um, hold on a second. And he like, he picks up a box that's like tucked by his bed. And you can see he actually has, he like collects old newspapers and stuff like that from the New Nazareth Press. Or New Nazareth Times, whatever it's called, I can't remember. So he's just like pulling out the papers and setting them on the table. Hi friends, you may notice a slight shift in audio quality partway through this episode. Unfortunately, we had some audio recording issues, so we actually had to go back and record, re-record quite a bit. So I apologize if the audio shift is jarring, but hopefully it is not too jarring for you, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. Thank you. So Liam, this farmer, is he's opening up a box to like find notes and stuff he writes in. But he also collects a lot of the New Nazareth newspaper and he's putting that out on the table in front of you. And as you're looking at it, the sheriff, can you go ahead and roll an experienced plus investigation for me? Um, experience is five and investigation is five. So 10 D 12. Okay. I got 10, 12, two, eight, seven, one, six, 
three, six, and 10. Nice. So you got a whole lot. And as you're staring at these newspapers, he's putting out on the table for you, something kind of sparks inside of your head. You go into the Sherlock Holmes memory palace for a second. And then you reach into uh, Maeve's, one of Maeve's satchels and you pull out the notes that you found on the Night Riders on the night that you killed Washington Martell. And you open up the notes and you put it on the table next to the newspaper. And as you're staring at it, this note that is printed with many different blocks in order to get that kind of quality of like the fonts are all different and everything. But you notice that certain fonts on letters are similar to the ones that are in the newspaper, specifically the one that makes up the letterhead of the newspaper. Like the A's are similar in New Nazareth to the A's on this piece of paper that you have in front of you. And you begin to realize that whoever was writing the letters to the night Riders had access to the printing press in New Nazareth. And as far as you know, that is only two people. John Barker is the older gentleman who runs the New Nazareth newspaper, and he's been doing it for a very long time. But as you have seen him, he's a very old man, probably in his 80s, and his eyesight is not very good. He has very large, thick glasses. And his nephew is the other person you've seen, who is Jefferson Wicklow. From what you know of Jefferson Wicklow, the reason he came to New Nazareth, one was not only to help out his uncle, but you'd heard rumors that Jefferson Wicklow had spent a few years in prison in West Virginia for uh, horse thievery. And he kind of had no other option but to come work for his uncle. So that is what you know about the two gentlemen who run the newspaper. I think we should go talk to John Barker. Now about this Barker fellow. <laughs> you have seen them twice. They were taking the picture of the large garfish that they had fished out. And then you saw them outside of the um, Martell Manor, actually the same night when everything went to hell. Well, that's that's a good thing. We can just uh, remember him and track him down. Now, do we we have a translation of what is on that? Um, so Liam perks up and he's like, well, uh, I don't speak German, but the people who live across the way, they speak German. They're German. Oh, fantastic. If what you're implying or what you've deduced, uh, Sheriff is correct, then the people who had these pieces of paper were altered somehow by some force. We should be very careful in proceeding in, in who we ask. I think we should we should find out what's on this. Uh, I wish I I wish I spoke German. I mean, we should probably wait until the morning before we we don't need to scare those poor people. <laughs> yeah, we should probably rest up. <laughs> yeah, let's. It's been a minute too. I think we need to rest. The three of you, you end up sleeping out in the barn, kind of in Maeve's wagon together, while um, Bart Hughes, because he's still quite poor health. Um, he stays inside the house, as does Elizabeth Danton. And you wake up in the morning, and it is a fairly foggy morning. Um, 
in it's one of those foggy mornings where there's just like a stillness in the air where you can't hear anything but it otherwise it's a fairly pleasant day sort of misleading to the fact that it was so crazy yesterday what everything that happened is bartholomew still asleep um he's like in and out if you want to ask him anything you well i was actually trying to hope i was wondering if i could do a, a dream connection sure so why don't you go ahead and spin a channeling point for me as you connect okay. to bart hughes's dream so as you can imagine he's gone through a fairly traumatic experience and that's where his dream starts out he is still hung up beneath that orrery in immense pain and you can see a figure direct uh, on top of the orrery on the platform above him walking around with a book like drawing in it and the figure is wearing dark clothing like a long duster coat and a hood pulled over the top mm -hmm. of their head so you can't really see him the figure is speaking but it's so distant like the memory of whatever words, specific words they said, are so distant from Bart's mind right now. The dream starts to twist and turn and you're being pulled out of the tunnel. What you're being propelled into is Bart Hughes's imagination of what this man will be doing once this machine is properly working and everything. So what you see is you are now in like a Philadelphia boardroom of like a coal mining company, very affluent and rich, but also not great for the environment. And this figure who you still don't mm -hmm. see his face, he walks into the room and he sets in front of this person, a blueprint of the same machine, the orrery that you were seeing below New Nazareth in the cemetery. Mm -hmm. And then the dream starts to twist and turn like a spirograph, all the colors coming together. And then it turns back out into another image. And what you're seeing is Philadelphia along the docks of the city. You see an orrery just out in the open. And the ocean around it is dead, like the the color of the sea is just black. You kind of turn around and take a look at the city and there's black clouds hanging overhead and the quote unquote toxic waste of this machine has basically killed off this city and mutated anything that was left. Your vision kind of zooms around within the city and you see a rat the size of a dog with gigantic teeth that are just feral and angry. You see graveyards that are filled with people. Then the vision spirographs again. It turns back open and you see the person with the hood covering their face. And then the dream just kind of fades away. So you get the sense that if this machine is built in other cities, this machine will allow you to create rainstorms to soothe the drought-ridden fields of the Midwest or whatever mm -hmm. from a great distance. But it puts out so much negative energy in the form of its waste that it will kill anything that surrounds it. In the shots with the man, with the men and the plans, it, it's recognizably Philly. Yeah. 
Cause you've lived there for a few years now. Yeah. So is there anything like, is it, am I in a specific, do I feel like I'm in a specific building? Like, is it, does it resemble anything that I know? Like, is it how similar, I mean, how similar is it to the Keller house? Like, um, is the it- room that you saw was not the Keller house. It was definitely somewhere okay. um, in Philly though. It's probably one of the many conglomerates that owns like coal mining uh, operations, like a like tall building, like big, like sort of big, build, like boardroom kind of thing. Yeah, or is so it, like it a, was a boardroom inside of a factory. So you were probably up on a higher level. Okay, of a like a four okay, story okay. building. And <gasps> anything interesting? I believe New Nazareth was an experiment. In my connection, I I could see what would happen if a machine like what we saw underground was implemented for a city. This this technology, this this magic is is way bigger than I think the people who are trying to build this really understand because it 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 comes at a much higher price than they all realize. Um, so when you wake up, Liam points across a large field uh, and you see a small cabin, much like his own. And the outside of the cabin, there's a youngish man, probably in his 30s, out tending of the fields. And his wife is working on some of the washing. So you can cross across said field. And as you do, you see that on Liam's side, he was growing tobacco, but on this side, this gentleman is growing rhubarb. And as you approach, the young gentleman looks up at you and he says, Ah, guten tag. Was ist das? Was machen Sie? Uh, we, don't, we, we don't speak German, but we're hoping to speak to someone who does. English? <laughs> uh, yes, I speak, I speak some English. How can I help you? Uh, we were just wondering if you could help us figure out what this says. Oh, uh, yes. And he takes the note from you and he looks it over for a little bit. And he says, oh, this is, um, the way this is written is very, um, old, old fashioned, I, I think. Formal. In a way, um, do you know about some, uh, uh, the Lutzelfrau. Mm-hmm. Do I, do we? Do, do, no. I um, can. Does the does the sheriff know? So in uh, English, it would translate to um, like winter witch. She she was a woman who around Christmas time. So the Lutzelfrau comes to your house, and if you don't leave out a gift for her, she. She visits bad things upon your house. Oh, like a curse. Yes, sort of. Um, it's like a fun thing for the, the kids to do around Christmas time. You know, you better leave it out or the Lutzelfrau will get you. Oh. So when when I was growing up, uh, there was this woman in my village who and we all called her the, the Lutzelfrau because we, we thought she was a witch and... The way she spoke is the way this letter is written. The language of witches. Very interesting. Yes. Hmm. And can you kind of understand what it's like? Uh, 
Yes. So there's, there's a lot of like flowery language to it, but it's basically they want the person who's received this note to go to a place and do some very bad things to them, um, to to hurt them. And then the letter is signed with a, a phrase that I don't know, but it says, I see you have been there. And Sheriff, you know this phrase, I see you have been there. That is how the Night Riders slash Silent Brigade greet each other. The greeting is, I see you have been there. And the person is supposed to respond, yes, on bended knees. Uh, like a call and response. I know that saying. It's from the Night Riders. Maeve, is this... Oh, it sounds like an incantation. It's a secret code of sorts. So actually, I'll put a time on that because I'll try to give you some of the historical context. So there is a great degree of ritualism to fraternal orders like the Ku Klux Klan and the, the Silent Brigade. And in fact, a newspaper at the time in 1909 or something like that was doing an article on the Silent Brigade and compared them to witches and warlocks because of the level of ritualism they had and what they did. Um, I don't know if necessarily the historical context will change what you want to ask, but it might be something important to know. I guess I don't know the history and progression of white supremacy in that way, but like... Has it always been a thing where they, you know, grand high wizard and great magic dragon and all? I don't know. Like, is because that's that's a thing. Those that's like a, those are rankings, right? Like, yeah. So the Night Riders were not necessarily as mm -hmm. um, rigid with rankings and stuff like that in terms of their order, yeah. but there are people who are in charge, obviously, and who orders. All right. Um, Maeve, do you feel anything when you hold this paper? Yeah, can I hold it and, and, and see if I feel anything? Sure. Can you roll an entuned plus divination for me? Which is seven. Okay, so seven. Two, 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 twelve. Two, twelve, one. Uh, you don't feel anything when you touch the piece of paper. Um, you might need to spend more time with it and like actually perform a ritual in order to discover what is necessarily going on. Um, I mean, you do get kind of the heebie-jeebies about it because mm -hmm. of what this German gentleman is telling you, the language, the kind of ritualism around it, and the fact that whoever wrote it decided to you know, take the time to write it in German as an extra layer of either protection or ritual in order to use it as a spell. Does it activate when spoken? Is it inert now that it's uh, that it's just in the page? Like, I, you know, I think I think that's that's my curiosity at the moment. Yeah. So I think in order to find that information you would have to perform a divination ritual okay. and take some time with it uh sir what's i'm sorry uh my name is charles i didn't even introduce myself what's your name oh <laughs> my name is kurt kurt now uh kurt how long have you been uh in 
here in New Nazareth. Are we in New Nazareth or the outskirts of New Nazareth? You're the, outside of New Nazareth. Incorpor- no. Incorporated New Nazareth area. <laughs> the tri-county area. I've been here for a few years. I moved here when I was a child and spent some time on the East Coast. And my wife and I moved here. But this is very strange. We don't usually run into many people who speak or write German. As far as I know, I've never run into anyone. And then he like turns to his wife and he's speaking to her. He's asking her uh, some questions. He says, oh, my wife says that um, a while back she, um, she went to New Nazareth to go to the store. She ran into a young man there who spoke some German. Did she know? Did she know this young man's name? Um, and the wife responds, Jefferson Wicklow. All right. Well, that uh, seems to match up with certain information that we have. Uh, thank you very much. You've been re- very, very helpful. We uh, hope that we haven't been too much of a bother. Where, where did you get this, by the way? <laughs> we found. We found them. We, we were very concerned. Um, yes, it's a, I would say it makes me most um, uncomfortable. You, you should be careful. Whoever was carrying these notes might be dangerous. Well, do we want to do a little divination spell on this before we head over to the Wicklows? Yes, that would that might be a good idea. You go into the barn and you start preparing a ritual in which you place down a piece of paper and you're surrounding it with these candles and you're trying to peer into the piece of paper to see what it's for, if it is actually a spell, right? Mm-hmm. So can you roll the intuned plus divination for me again? That's seven again. One, four, 11, two. I don't know what this two significance is, but keep popping up. The twos are are all about it now. Four, four, eleven. Okay, since you're taking the time to prepare this spell, I will allow you to re-roll one of those die for free. Another two? (laughs) Fucking two. You're cursed. There's some sort of number that there's something. Yeah, maybe you this number uh, for me. Maybe, maybe you got you done got twoed. <laughs> so you got three successes. Can I give her one of my channel points? Sure, if you want to. Here you go. <laughs> Big money seven. Big money seven. If it's a two. Oh god. Seven! Really? Oh my god. It was a seven! Big money seven! Perfect. So, as you are preparing this ritual, peering into this piece of paper to see what it is for, if it is actually a spell and everything, the ink on the piece of paper and the printed letters seems to run until it covers the whole sheet of paper and the paper turns completely black. But then the black seems to drop through the floor and now there's a hole in the floor of the barn that is the perfect shape of this piece of paper. So as you peer into the hole where this piece of paper used to be, you see the light that's piercing in through the sides of the barn is just sending a shaft of light down through this hole that goes down 
seemingly forever. You see no bottom to this pit. It's very quiet and very still. But eventually you start to hear something that sounds like heavy breathing. And you see hands creep up through the shaft of light towards the where the piece of paper used to be, towards this hole. And once it actually reaches the plane of the floor, the hands, which are covered in scales and like scars and bite marks that have healed over time and like fingers that have been broken and gnarled with long black fingernails. They scratch at the plane where the piece of paper should be, meaning that they can't escape the confines of that piece of paper. And then the blackness pulls itself back up and the letters reappear on the piece of paper as it returns to its original form. And you get the idea that when people are given this piece of paper, if they are open to the instructions written on it, meaning that they want this piece of paper, they want to complete the actions written on it, they will be incited to a greater level of violence than they would normally. It, it doesn't necessarily enrage them, but it releases inhibitions that they might have about holding back in terms of harming other human beings or wildlife. It's a kind of possession. Take their filter off. Yeah. So whoever wrote this letter and you're getting the in- implication that it's Jefferson Wicklow, he wrote it specifically this way to have even greater control over the Night Riders. This is some powerful and weird magic. Yeah, a part of me wants to destroy this. I don't know if it's something that we need to keep as evidence. It's very strange. I feel like we should keep it. If it gets destroyed, it seems like it's something that he would know that it's been destroyed, if that makes any sense, because there's, it's essentially he's he's using whatever power he has to open up a channel between whatever he's connected to and a subject a per like he he's he's transferring this he's making vessels that's some powerful magic (laughs) yeah i feel like we're going to need to perhaps prepare ourselves a bit before we go snooping about at the new naz gazette i'm trying to remember our encounter with those Mr. Martell and how we dealt with the molten flame ash boys. Knowing some information about him now that because Bart Hughes said that he also killed him and he came back and now you guys have seemingly killed him and he's come back. Krista, can you roll lore plus practiced? So five. Ten, nine, one, nine, twelve. Okay, so this is actually super hard because you're basically trying to identify what Washington Martell is now. And you have some context clues about what he is. He's died multiple times. He's come back. He usually reappears fairly quickly after he dies. Day for him to return when you guys killed him. And when he does die, his body seemingly disappeared entirely. Uh, his original body. So mm-hmm. you get the idea that if you were to go with the lore, he might be something referred to as a revenant. He is dead. Washington Martell is dead and his soul has been ripped from his body, but his angry spirit keeps being returned in different forms of his own body to try and 
either take revenge or continue the quest that he had in life. Revenant are usually brought about through dark magic rituals, which, you know, considering the circumstances, seems to make sense. The only way to kill Washington Martell for sure is to find where his original body is buried. It either needs a cleansing ritual or it needs to be burned to the point that even his bones are turned to ash. Makes sense. (laughs) You also know that with Revna, if they're brought back through these dark ritual means, they have different abilities kind of based on what version they are. So, you know, Washington Martell lived through that fire and it actually like imbued him with more power. So that might be the version that you saw. This new version of Washington Martell might have a completely different set of skills. Cleanse him and then burn him. And then, and then cleanse the burnt pile of burnt stuff. I mean, we could do both. Oh, Wow. Uh, I don't know if we would know this, but is the Revenant, a Revenant made? Would it be that Washington Martell made himself or was he, is he a product of the paper? They are typically made. Um, the ritual in order to bring back a Revenant is, this is real dark stuff that I'm sure Maeve would have never done herself, but she's probably heard about it. The person that you want to turn into a revenant you have to kill mm-hmm. and then you have to divorce their their soul from their body your soul basically has to be stitched and snipped until you only have the darkest parts remaining and that's what you're imbuing into a new okay. form every time it's a very complicated ritual but considering the person who did it he had a great Mm -hmm. powerful energy source Mm -hmm. in this orrery in order to do so right and if he wants to maintain control of the night riders which washington martell is a big part of keeping tabs and control over washington martell would be very important as part of the revenant thing you do know that all his or his new forms appear wherever his body is buried and you do know that a posse was sent out to find washington martell earlier yesterday do we want to find his body first and eliminate him before taking on taking on jefferson wicklow getting getting to his body is probably not the easiest thing well if we go i mean that's the thing i feel like if we go for jefferson wicklow washington martell's revenant will probably still be there slash be there knowing waiting as far as you know new nazareth is basically abandoned now so sneaking around there is Sort of unimportant unless Jefferson Wicklow and the Knight Riders are there for some reason. In terms of sneaking around outskirts of News Nazareth, because you're in the middle of like swamps and hills, that's actually not too difficult a task. Also, uh, Sheriff, can you roll experience plus investigation for me? Which is 10 D12. All right. I've got two, 10, three, seven, five, one. 12, 11, 2, and 10. Well done, Paul. Well done. Okay. Using your investigation skills, you start to connect all the red strings on the cork board, essentially. So you know all these disparate things, but you start to connect them together. One, Jefferson Wicklow is trying to create a machine that will allow him to control magic. Two, in order to control said machine and power it, you need to feed it some form of energy 
usually in the form of agony and pain. Mm -hmm. Three, he's controlling the Knight Riders in order to enact an agony and pain to the surrounding farmers in order to feed said machine. Four, the machine in town is destroyed, so he has no use of it anymore. Five, you know that he wants to sell the designs for this machine to other people. And six, there's only one way out of New Nazareth, which is the train station. And there is no train today. And that, and that probably wouldn't be an option for them. The, the too highfalutin for that. Well, if he's going to, if his plan is to like go to Philly, like in Charles's vision yeah the train is going to be the quickest way he can get there and also you get the feeling that if he's enacting all this kind of um control over people he's not really concerned about having to wait for a train there there isn't a lodging by the train station right that's why we went further into town yeah so the train station is kind of a lonesome place it's just the train station and the telegraph office since paul rolled so well I will also give you this. <laughs> yes. Um, so you saw a bunch of people hanging out in front of the barber shop, and oh yeah, we did see. And that. they were basically talking about Washington Martel and forming the posse to go find him and his associates. You are now getting the inkling that operations at the ground level are run through that barber shop. Maybe we check out the old barbershop. Yeah, I'm, I feel like we should probably still leave Bart and Miss Danton with someone. Yes. Um, do we trust Liam enough? Let's ask Liam. You guys have been like talking outside of the house oh. quite loudly about everything that's going on. So it's very confused. Um, we are going to go do some things, but we were hoping uh, that Miss Danton and our friend Bartholomew could stay here with you for a, a short while while we sort things out. Oh, okay. What are, what are you all looking for? A fight. Okay. I heard something about Washington Martell. Yeah, we're just trying to, to take out the toxicity that um, has rotted this town for quite some time. Yeah. I don't like Washington Martell much. I see him hanging out by the that old willow tree a lot. The willow tree? What, what, what willow tree? Uh, yeah, so if you follow the road that way and he points north, you'll find a field with just one willow tree in it. I've seen Washington Martell there a lot. That is very useful information. Thank you. I wish you all the best of luck and I'll look after your friends here. Thank you very much. Um, the sheriff... I don't know if this is any help to you, but he holds up that shotgun that uh, was broken. And he's like, maybe you can use this and fix it up. And he also has like a bandolier of shotgun shells. Love it. Yeah. So you now have a double barrel shotgun. And what I'm going to allow is if two enemies are standing directly next to each other, you can shoot both of them at the same time with the scatter shot. It is a double barrel, meaning that after you fire twice, um, you will need to reload, which will be the action of your turn. Wouldn't one fire be both and then I'd have to reload immediately? Um, It's one of those ones with the the double trigger. So if you squeeze the first trigger, it only squeezes off the right barrel, the second trigger. Oh, but you get a choice. Yeah, you could squeeze off both at the same time if you want. Oh, dang. Does that, does that, that, does that do like 
extra damage. Yeah, I would say that's a like a bigger spread. Spread them. I like it. So while you're here, um, did you want to prepare some potions and stuff? Yeah, let's prepare, a, let's say, a very powerful cleansing potion and maybe a couple other protection and uh, say some bombs, too. So you spend uh, like a little more time preparing those potions and everything. And I will allow you to have all those things that you said. I don't I don't think any of that is too ridiculous. And you begin traveling north in the direction that Liam Smith pointed out to you. I want to go to that willow tree. You start walking and you're going through a bunch of trees and you can't see anything beyond the trees for a very long time. Off to your left is a is a swamp. Off to the right is trees with hills up above them, but you can't see like the distance it would take you to get to set hills but eventually the trees fall away and you see in front of yourself a very large flat field of just grass and then way out in the middle of the field is a willow tree that is bigger than any willow tree that you've ever seen and in the fog right now it's just this weird twisting figure light rising up like 50 feet in the air with these long willow branches draped down. And because it's November, the willow branches are um, completely bare. It's just like this weird like silhouette of a massive uh, willow tree 200 yards from the road. Well, that is a big tree. That seems bigger than normal for a tree. Yeah, it's probably the body buried underneath it. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> At least that's what I'm assuming. You take a nice long walk because you're basically the distance of two football fields from it, okay. but you eventually arrive at said tree. Willow trees kind of usually have like a light colored bark, mm-hmm. but the bark on this tree is very dark. Immediately looking around, nothing looks too weird, but then you do notice that um, there's a slight hump in the ground where the grass has grown over. As if the ground had been disturbed sometime within the past couple of years, probably. Well, I was going to say, I'm gonna, can, I, can I find a large stick that's on the ground and poke the hump before I do anything? So you pick up a, a, a stick and you poke the hump and it's dirt and grass. Okay, good. I just wanted to make sure that nothing bad would happen. Sure. <laughs> you got to be sure. Okay, with the stick is the oldest trick in the book. Yes, absolutely. Well, I got a, I got a little spade. I mean, the only other option we have is to start digging it out with our hands. So you take your little spade and you start digging out the hump. While you're doing that, Sheriff and Charles are keeping an eye. And because this is an empty field, you can see anybody approaching from very far away. It is mm-hmm. quite foggy out, but even a person would be a silhouette from a distance. And as you're watching, you do see... Some silhouettes start approaching you of about six men. Two of them veer off in one direction and three of them veer off in another direction as if they're surrounding the tree. And the figure leading the front of the group continues in a straight line towards you. Once he's about, let's say, 50 feet away, you still can't see his face because of the fog. He speaks and you instantly recognize his voice as that of Washington Martell. And he's like, Why did I have a feeling y'all were going to be coming around here? And Washington Martell begins to take a few more steps forward and he takes off his hat and he throws it on the ground. And as he's walking forward, you see his silhouette start to 
shift and shimmy and his head actually begins to rend apart and the form starts to change and you see his coat fall off of himself and his torso is shaking and shimming as well as it begins to pull itself apart into these different strands almost as his a bunch of arms are sticking up out of his rib cage. And finally, as his form begins to become apparent, you see that his bottom half is still a man, but the top half, you see just a nest of snakes sticking out the top of his torso, including like rattlesnake head, a hooded cobra, and all these different snakes, like a large python head is like up above all the others staring down upon you. All the voices of the snakes hiss together as one. And then uh, Washington Martell says, today is going to be someone's last stand. And that's where we'll end this episode of Dice Drive. <laughs> <laughs> Terrifying. Ooh. Wow. wow. As, this oh, is a message, like, as all this is happening, I just <laughs> frantically digging. Yeah, no, I feel <laughs> like I feel digging. like my understanding is that this fight is gonna be like, all right, keep digging. We'll keep, we'll hold them off until you can. Yeah, I like, keep I like digging. throw off the, the little spade and just start like digging with the dog. I'm, <laughs> I'm really happy I have a double barrel shot clutch, now. Clutch item, right, right, right before the fight. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, before we go, we should go around the horn and do all the plugs and stuff like that. Um, Crystal Llewellyn, what you got going on? Um, well, I have premiered my YouTube channel, uh, Crystal Llewellyn MUA. So Ooh. if you go to my Instagram, Crystal Llewellyn MUA, uh, I have a link tree through my bio that connects you to basically everything I do. It's got my YouTube on there. It has my Patreon if you want to get some extra content from my YouTube page, as well as my um, Etsy page, which is at Shop Rogue Etsy. Um, and yeah, it has my portfolio and stuff, other cool things through that link tree. So just go to my Instagram and you can find it all. Perfect. Um, what are some of the extra benefits that people can get for joining your Patreon? Well, for just $5 a month, you get early access to all the videos before they premiere on YouTube, as well as an extra video a month. Uh, so for just the lowly YouTube people, you'll only get three videos a month. But if you're a Patreon, you get four videos a month and other like cool perks. If you upgrade to the next step, I have like a discord where you can post your work and ask me questions, get feedback about things. I want to do like a movie night where I like live watch something and talk about the makeups and things like that. So lots of cool stuff. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, Earl Kim, what do you got going on, my buddy? Um, uh, just the usual streaming on Twitch uh, at Earl of Sandwich. And, you know, uh, we're actually, we've gone through a whole bunch of Ghost of Tsushima cast uh, doing interviews. And then we're actually going to be shifting, we're now shifting into uh uh, talking to Sucker Punch staff and some game devs. And yeah, so if anyone's interested in finding out, you know, more what it's like behind the scenes in making video games, uh, yeah, tune in sometime. Those will be uh, on the weekends. But yeah, I, 
I'm streaming every Tuesday and Thursday. Fantastic. Uh, Paul Dixon, what do you got going on, friend? I uh, recently got uh, to do a 21-day monologue challenge. I posted a bunch of stuff on my um, my Instagram and Facebook, um, mainly concentrating on on-camera stuff and just practicing while being in this pandemic. Uh, I'm hoping to start more sketch comedy. Uh, I want to do a podcast really badly, uh, especially with film and uh, just you know, anything to do with entertainment and in general. And uh, yeah, just looking to collaborate and keep busy. Where can people find you, Paul? You can find me at Paul Allen Dixon anywhere. Is that one L in Allen or two L's? It's one L. Mm, okay. It's A-L-A-N. People always, you know, it's, it's A-L-L-E-N and I'm like, no, nah, you messed it up. <laughs> wrong guy. Got the wrong guy. What about you, Dan? Dan, what about you? Oh, GTM can go before me. Oh, I guess. I guess so. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter and Twitch at JapRican1. I'm doing more photo mode streams every Tuesday and Thursday at 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So you all have to figure out what time zone that is for you. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, just doing that, kind of working on stuff, have a exciting potential project that's coming up in the future. Um, we'll talk about later. But yeah, how about you, Dan? Oh, well, thank you for asking. I am at Hemingway Light on Instagram and Twitter. I am also on Twitch at Hemingway Light. I typically stream on Sunday and Monday evenings. Um been adding in some random days when I have the free time. But yeah, follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, also follow Dice Try on Instagram and Twitter. And rate and review the show on iTunes. Woo! And with that, we will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to Dice Try. I'm your host, Daniel Schaub. And this episode's cast has included Paul Dixon, Earl Kim, and Crystal Llewellyn. This production has been edited by Gabriel Toya Melendez with special music provided by Glenn Davis. Please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Dice Try Podcast. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe and review. So that is what you know about the two gentlemen who run the newspaper in New Nazareth. I think we should go talk to John Barker. Who's that, Sheriff? Don't make me repeat myself. You <laughs> heard the ominous voiceover. No, Sheriff, all we heard was you muttering to yourself the last five minutes. Just mutter, 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 mutter. I, mutter, I have a mutter, stroke mutter, once mutter. in a while. Uh...